Hi, I'm Meredith Emily. And I'm Noel Cowman. Between us, we have over 30 years' experience in the fitness, nutrition and wellbeing industry. Our goal is to share that knowledge and experience with you. So, welcome to the Intelligent Fitness Podcast. and welcome back to the Intelligent Fitness Podcast. We're going to be talking today about a Christmas survival guide, uh, touching on what we we touched on last time round, uh, where we were talking about leading up to Christmas and how we all get into a perfect storm of overindulgence at this time of year. We wanted to delve a little bit more deeply into uh, the idea around that and exactly what's driving us to kind of all bury our heads in the sand a little bit at this time of year. We tend to get overwhelmed with Christmas parties and family occasions going on and most of us tend to uh, not want to really think about training and not want to examine too much what we're eating and drinking. It's a time of year where we in the gym uh, see a lot of people uh, falling off with their training. We hear a lot of excuses. Uh, loads of people aren't coming in at the moment. Just a few. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's something that's very much on our minds. Uh, of the clients who are, we are seeing at the moment, we're, we're very much uh, having a, an ongoing dialogue with people about their fears around this time of year. And we thought it would be useful to touch on some of those things and uh, cover some of the things that we thought might help people around this time of year to survive the next few weeks. So we'll begin by maybe talking a little bit about why people aren't coming into us. What are the kinds of things people are telling us at the moment about why they can't see us? <laughs> I think it's probably fair to start by saying um, we understand. <laughs> we do. <laughs> We've been there too. Uh, we, we encounter and, and sometimes try and have to come up with the same excuses ourselves for different things. But um, yeah, there, there, there'd be the few. Uh, I think my favourite, I have to say, is... Uh, I'm sorry, I can't come in this week because the kids are off school. Um, and then you say, oh, right, yeah, yeah. And, and and how old are your kids? 21. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we do encounter that one a little bit. Um, and I think what happens in that case is it's very much a habit-based thing. Uh, I think that the, 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 the parents are very used to Christmas being a time when their kids are off. So that, that that's still in their head years after the kids are, let's be fair, fairly self-sufficient at this stage. And off partying on their and own. And off partying on their own. <laughs> they, 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 they don't need mommy or daddy to be there. So uh, that's, that's probably my favourite uh, excuse that you could... Okay, so a lot of people then at this time of year are falling into this way of thinking where uh, you're almost not looking forward to the parties and the, the, the family occasions coming up because you kind of know how much damage you're going to be doing yourself. You don't want to be thinking about coming in and training. And we do understand when people make excuses not to come in and see us. The last person you want to be hearing from at this time of year is your personal trainer saying, come in and, and, and train with me and be healthy and talk about fitness. Um, so we wanted to really begin today by talking about how much damage can we actually cause ourselves in the next couple of weeks, say the next two to four weeks between Christmas and New Year, if we're not exercising and if we're overindulging kind of mindlessly and not really thinking about it? Um, how much damage are we actually really going to cause ourselves and what can we actually do about this? So to begin with, talking about uh, food and alcohol. I, I don't know why you'd cover that one because I mean, <laughs> that's not even relevant to Christmas. I think it is the question people would like to know because, um, you know, it goes without saying everybody knows at the end of the, the, the month that damage has been caused. But I, I definitely think it'd be useful to let people know kind of in scientific or numbers terms 
exactly what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. So last in our last episode, what we were talking about was six week transformation plans and knowing that in January you're going to throw yourself into a mad exercise and fitness plan. You kind of let things slide at this time of year. So if you're talking about kind of weight gain uh, around the festive period, just to kind of put it into scientific terms, if you're going to put on one pound of body fat, that's equivalent to 3,500 calories in extra food. So over and above what your current caloric intake is that you need to maintain your current body weight. Um, So if you take on an extra 3,500 calories, that eventually is going to equate to one extra pound of body fat. So looking at some of the kinds of Christmas foods that we're eating at the moment, if you were to eat over and above what you would normally take in in a day in terms of fuel, one mince pie, 250 calories, six Quality Street or Roses chocolates, 270 calories, two festive chocolate biscuits, which is around 160 calories, a Starbucks gingerbread latte, which is around 320 calories, those things all add up to exactly 1,000 calories. So were you to do that every day for the next week, that's 7,000 extra calories, which is two pounds in body weight. So you can see how easily... I'm getting hungry thinking about this. (laughs) (laughs) You can see how easy it is to put on weight at this time of year just by snacking on the Christmas things that happen to be floating around the house or the office, the box of Quality Street, the the packet of mince pies that you've got at home. And I haven't even mentioned the alcohol uh, when I was talking about those things. So if you were to add in half a bottle of red wine each night, that's an extra 320 calories. So you're then talking about more than uh, two pounds a week. And that's significant over a four-week period. That's more than half a stone, which is quite difficult to then lose in January. Um, So these calories are going to take a couple of days to be converted into body fat. So you're not necessarily going to see a change on the scales uh, until it's kind of too late. But that's, that's, I think, where a lot of people are a little bit confused. They don't understand that. I I certainly get that feedback a lot from people as... um, for example, somebody might say to me, right, I'm going to really cut back on the, the food and drink this week. And then at the end of the week, they weigh themselves and they're the same. And then another week where they were quite indulgent. And then they say at the end of this week, I've actually gained or sorry, I beg your pardon, I've lost weight yeah. on the indulgence. And, you know, I try and explain to them what that actually why that is and why the body's playing catch up. So wh- what's your view on that one? My view on this one, uh, especially when you add alcohol into the mix, is that you can get quite dehydrated drinking alcohol and the water that you're losing alone is going to be losing your body weight. So you Mm -hmm. can go out for something like an office Christmas party and overindulge in terms of food and alcohol. And if you drink enough alcohol to leave you dehydrated the next morning and step onto the scales, you will have lost body weight. It's not body fat, it's just water because you're dehydrated. But that can be quite confusing to people. And also body fat itself doesn't, you know, if you eat something that... In in time, stimulate your body to lay down body fat. It doesn't happen in real time. It's no. like you don't have a a cheeseburger and then an hour later, you, that body fat is now sitting in your system on you. It takes time for it to develop and grow and become part of it. Yeah. So you know, so th- the body takes time to catch up from the from the damage, but also it takes time to um, see the results as well. So uh, you know, people need to understand that because I think it can be very demotivating if somebody says, right. Over the Christmas this year, I said to myself, right, that's it. I'm going to go easy at the Christmas party. I'm going to eat, go easy on the food and the drink. And at the end of the week, I don't feel like I've really achieved anything. So, mm. I mean, it, as I said, it's, it's a positive and a negative. But you can go easy on a Christmas meal, say, if you're out with your family for a Christmas dinner. You can go easy on that. But what you're not taking into account is the mince pie here, the few chocolates there, mm. the, the tin of biscuits in the office. Yeah. 
that uh, Starbucks latte, which is 320 calories, the extra wine or beer that you're drinking at this time of year. It's those extra little things that through the day that really trick us. And, and that's when we're laying down body fat without even realizing it. So yeah. it's the mindless snacking, uh, which isn't helping. And then if you add into that the lack of exercise, say you were going to the gym twice a week beforehand and you're now not, then you actually need fewer calories to begin with. Yes, for example, I mean, if you're exercising, if you're if you're exercising for a while and you, your session is quite efficient, you might be burning 500 calories in a session and then there's even a little bit of extra calories being burnt during your recovery period as well. So you could say that your two gym sessions a week or your two workouts a week uh, are responsible for dropping an extra thousand calories. So take them out of the equation. And then we've, we're have we talking about gaining the 2,000 from our nice little snacks there. So yeah, it, it really is. It's a big turnaround. So you can see how the calories and, and the alcohol and the food is kind of creeping in a little bit every day mindlessly. We thought it might be useful to take a detailed look at what happens to you, to the body physiologically and psychologically when we have just one big occasion where we really overindulge. And a great example of that is the office Christmas party, which I think people are equally looking forward to and dreading at this time of year. <laughs> I've talked to plenty of people who are dreading their Christmas parties because they know they're going to pay the price for it afterwards. And it's almost like a rite of passage. You have to do it. You have to drink too much. You have to embarrass yourself. You have to wake up with a fear the next morning. No, but but I, I'm interested to know as in my, I suppose in my previous capacity, I was, a, I was an employer and I had quite a few um, staff and the Christmas party was the time when everybody went mad and and usually at my expense. So from the point of view <laughs> What's of What's that about? Explain that one to from, me. <laughs> from the point of view of the employee, this is the this is your company's uh, way of thanking you for your year of hard work. Yeah. And you want to take advantage of that. You want to make the most of it. You want to drink the, the, the lovely drinks that are being provided. You want to eat all the nice food that's being provided. And you really want to maximise, you know, how much you're getting as, as a gift, as a reward from your employer. But from your point of view as an employer... What did you find the employees <laughs> doing when it came to the office Christmas party? I, I think most people were very grateful for the the night you were putting on, but there was always this person in the corner ordering the lobster and champagne, <laughs> champagne, <laughs> and kind of slightly going off script. But uh, you know, yeah. yeah. But it, it's it is as I say almost a rite of passage when it comes to the office Christmas party that you kind of have to go off script. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, so, that's fair enough. Okay. So if we start at the beginning, then the office Christmas party normally. Uh, follows a fairly similar kind of um, pattern. You turn up, you have some kind of bubbly or, you know, drinks to, to celebrate. You have maybe canapes or snacks. There's some kind of big meal involved, a dinner or a lunch, uh, which you're going to be having more wine, more drinks. Uh, often it goes on late into the night. There'll be dancing, more drinking. Uh, it's going to be a late night. Uh, you may well stop at the chip shop on the way home uh, to pick up, the you know, chips or a kebab or something on the way home to soak up the rest of the alcohol. Um, and then you may well have to get up and go into work the next day. So you may well have an early start the next morning as well. Um, add into that, you may find when you have these kind of big mad nights out that you wake up at 4am and you just can't sleep afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's going to take you a good few days to recover from that night out in terms of uh, sort of recovery days, sleeplessness, the anxiety, the depression, the sleep deprivation that you feel afterwards. Um, and that's all really for one night out. So why is it that this happens? Why is it that it takes us days to recover? Why is it that we find in the aftermath of a Christmas party, we're eating the wrong stuff, we find we want to drink more to kind of get over it? What's actually happening physiologically 
uh, in the body that's causing these but, things to happen. I, I'd be fascinated by the sleep one. I mean, it's been said to me many times that uh, a big night out when you've had a lot to drink, you might be unconscious, but you're not asleep. Yeah, so... <laughs> I don't mean about me now, but I didn't... <laughs> when we're learning how these things work. Uh, so, yeah, it, it really... People make the mistake of thinking that when they've had a few drinks, you you go to sleep easily. You, you know, you don't find it hard to go to sleep or pass out if you've had a few drinks. And that really isn't restful sleep that you're getting when alcohol is involved. It's more akin to a general anaesthetic. Nobody wakes up from a general anaesthetic after three hours thinking, oh, that was such a restful time I had. Yeah. So it is actually just passing out. You don't get deep sleep. You don't get REM sleep. You don't get that time to heal where the body kind of heals itself um, when you're sleeping because it isn't actually really sleep. So that's the first thing to bear in mind. No matter how much time you're, in inverted commas, passed out for, that's not restful healing time for the body. So it's not actually proper sleep. The second thing to bear in mind is alcohol is a drug. And when you introduce a foreign drug like alcohol into the body, the body is going to go into kind of panic mode. So what happens when you drink alcohol is that your reaction time starts to slow down, your coordination goes... Um, and once the brain experiences these side effects of alcohol, it kicks in with emergency measures. And the emergency measures are it produces more adrenaline and it produces more cortisol. So we all know adrenaline as the fight or flight uh, kind of chemical. And we all know that feeling as if you've had a few too many coffees. It, you're awake, you're alert. And cortisol has a very similar effect. That's your body's stress hormone. And it has a very similar effect to adrenaline in that it keeps you awake, it keeps you alert, it keeps your brain functioning uh, in peak condition. But what happens is you drink a glass of wine and then your brain recognizes that your your reaction times and your coordination is sl are slowing. So it produces adrenaline and cortisol and that kind of equalizes things a bit. And then as the alcohol starts to wear off a little bit, you have more alcohol and then your brain produces more adrenaline and more cortisol to try and combat uh, the effects. So what happens is, over time, the alcohol actually wears off more quickly than the adrenaline and the cortisol. So you initially pass out after you've had quite a lot to drink. And then once the alcohol has started to wear off or mostly worn off, around four in the morning for most people, you wake up and that's when you experience the fear. You're lying there thinking, what did I do? I can't remember going to bed. I feel terrible. Why can't I sleep? You feel anxious. You, you feel jittery. And that's the adrenaline and the cortisol, which still hasn't worn off properly. So that's why we wake up feeling anxious and depressed after we've had a few drinks um, and a night out. There's a, there's a very real physiological reason. And that's your poor brain struggling to cope with the effects of all of this alcohol you flooded it with. So that's the point, what... The point you made there, I mean, uh, feeling depressed. I mean, look, we, all, we can all relate to that. But it is important that, you know, our focus is health and well-being and positive self-esteem and people feeling good about how they look and how they feel. That's really our, that's our day job. So it is something we battle with a lot. Yeah. It, it is a lack of self-esteem with people. So if there's a whole month where people are devoted to basically uh, putting themselves at the mercy of these parties and, and, and not necessarily considering how they're going to feel afterwards, yeah. then we've really, we really do have to pick up the pieces with people in January. We and, do, yeah. And this is what we're trying to avoid here, you know. And it's, it's about being more mindful, I think, because it, you, everybody knows how these things are going to affect us and that you'll be suffering for days afterwards. Everybody knows you'll feel anxious, you might feel a bit depressed afterwards, and yet we don't really think about the consequences as we're going into the office party. You don't really stand there sipping your champagne thinking, 
oh my God, I'm going to wake up at 4am feeling the fear and I'm going to feel rubbish for three days afterwards. Nobody questions it, which is very strange when you think about it. It is. So we know about the sleep now and how much that's affected us. Okay. Uh, We've had a little chat about calories. So if you're overindulging in terms of food, you have a huge meal, you have dessert, you have the canapes, you have all the snacks, and then you kind of maybe stop off and have chips or something on the way home. That's a huge amount of calories and food that you've taken on. And your body is now going to have to work quite hard to digest that food. So that's going to disrupt your sleep as well. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the high salt content in a lot of these foods, the high fat content. It's all going to stop you sleeping. And anything that interferes with our sleep, unfortunately, means that we make poor food choices the following day. There's a proven link between people who can't sleep and people who eat too much. And yeah. that's because your body needs instant energy when you're very, very tired. So you reach for high fat, um, high sugar kinds of foods and you, you really can't help that when you're very tired if we said for example your Christmas party experience added a thousand calories mm. okay would that be a reasonable I'd say that would be an underestimation you might add a thousand calories in food from mm. the Christmas party experience mm-hmm. you then need to add on the alcohol calories which could be another thousand by itself okay So the normal person that's aware of calorie counting, not that we want to make this all about that, but the normal person, and they might be doing their food apps. um, My fitness pal is the usual one, yeah. Most people can relate to the fact that if the My Fitness Pal says you need to drop 500 calories every day, you'll probably feel the pinch of that a little bit in your food size, your portion size. So if between the food and the drink, it's taken us, uh, we, we're, we're, at, we're talking about probably 2,000 calories there. Yeah. Then just on the calorie side of it alone, our Christmas party is going to take four days to get back to. But then you haven't taken into account yeah. the following day, the sleeplessness and yeah. the extra food you're going to eat the following day. So you need to add in another 1,000 or 2,000 calories or, you know, however many calories there. Okay. Because your food choices are going to be very poor if you're chronically sleep deprived and you'll be very, very tired. You'll be also be dehydrated from the alcohol and dehydration makes us uh, have food, poor food choices. So it's and, not... And poor food cravings. To be, yeah. To be fair to everybody, it's a craving as much as a choice. It is. But... What I'm saying here is if you're looking at the, that amount of damage caused, would it be conservative or fair to suggest it was going to take five days? At least to recover. To recover and get back to, 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 to ground zero from... Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's physically. And then, you know... Yes, the so mental, that's just physically. That's just physically. And then the mental effects are... Alcohol does cause uh, temporary depression. So it is a depressant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you will be feeling anxious and depressed. And then you have to add into that the the um, feelings of, you know, you've let yourself down, bad self-esteem because you feel you overindulged, you wish you hadn't done it. So you add in those feelings on top of that and you really are talking about a perfect storm of um, anxiety and depression and feeling bad and feeling like a failure and feeling like, um, mm. you know, you've let yourself down. And, and that can easily last for five days afterwards. So we know... The excuses why people don't come in over Christmas, we are forgiving you. <laughs> uh, we understand more now about why we put on waste, the damage that it can cause. So what kind of, let's let's try and focus on what we can do now. To, in a positive way to try and combat this. Yeah. Absolutely, because... First of all, I think we have to start from a point of non-judgment. And it can sound when we're talking about all of this stuff that we're kind of being judgmental or, you know, we're down on alcohol or we're down on having fun or we're down on overindulging. And we're not. 
Um, we have to start with what we're dealing with, which is that our society uses alcohol to celebrate. We use, you know, these big meals to celebrate. And that's where we are. We can't just say to people, right, don't do this. Don't go to your office party or go and don't drink. So you have to accept that. Uh, you, you're starting from a point of non, non-judgment towards yourself and towards other people. So so some user-friendly tips. So will we start with the the food? Yeah. So if we start with, again, using the example of the office Christmas party, just, I think, have a plan in place when it comes to food and what you're eating. So what would be a good kind of plan to have in place? You know that you've got this event coming up. So let's say it's an evening event with a dinner and you know you're going to have canapes and snacks and things first. What would be a good kind of plan to have in place in terms of your eating plan for the night? Well, I know certainly for me, um, as somebody who likes to train and who is constantly starving as a result, (laughs) The worst thing I could do is say, oh, Christmas party coming up. Um, I won't bother having anything before I go because. Yeah, you, so you're you, going into it hungry. Yeah. I mean, you turn up hungry and everything that's sitting there, every canopy, every little hors d'oeuvre is. It, it, God only knows how much. Yeah. Of those I would consume before the, the, the so dinner you'd, arrives. So you'd fill up on those and then this lovely yeah. dinner arrives and you don't want to miss out on that. So you eat that too. Yeah, so. yeah. And also you're conscious of not offending your host. So you say, OK, I better eat that as well. So, okay, I, so I how can we avoid that? Tip one for me would be if you know you're going to one of these occasions, get a little filler in first. Yeah. Eat so. a little bit of pasta before you go or a bit of rice or something just to yeah. fill you up a little bit so that you're not absolutely launching into the canopies as soon as you arrive. Yeah. So have a have a plan in place when it comes to food. Uh, so eat something before you go so that you're not absolutely starving when you walk in the door. And that will also serve the purpose of soaking up some of the alcohol as well. So you're not going to kind of fall over the minute you have a glass of champagne. It, it, is soakage an Irish expression or did, it, it, did they use that in England? I think we use that in England too. Soakage. We can't call that phrase here no no okay <laughs> but so, so yeah have something healthy and nutritious uh, that's going to fill you up before you go i would say fruit and veg you would say pasta or something like that yeah yeah um and then you're not going to just lay into the food the minute you get there yep. know in advance also and this is a good tip anyway with eating kind of know your limits when you're eating so eat slowly and mindfully really enjoy your food chew it enjoy it but know when you're full and know when to stop it's okay to leave some of the food on your plate mm-hmm. you don't have to finish the whole plate full of food it's not a competition yeah or and, or, or being self-righteous and saying I've worked so hard for this company all year I'm I, I'm entitled to, to this, 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 to this extra amount <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so don't eat the dessert if you've, if you've eaten a starter and the main course and you're full stop there you don't have to keep on eating the uh an exercise tip that I, I found very useful uh, in relation to all of this stuff is um, I get a lot of people saying to me, I've got my Christmas party on Thursday, so I'm going to cancel my session on Friday. Yeah. And I would actually try and encourage whether it, not necessarily that they need to come to me and do a session, but factor in some exercise or some activity that you've booked with somebody or with a friend, whether you've planned to go for a walk or a hike or something like that. Yeah. Keep it in anyway. For the following day. For the following day, because it's always slightly in the back of your head. Yeah. I mean, I I think back to the days when I was playing competitive sport and uh, if you knew you had an important match the next day, it was always in the back of your mind, even if you were at a social function that you knew you couldn't avoid. You knew you had a match the next day. A, yeah. you didn't want to go through the the hell of having to play with a hangover. But B, <laughs> um, you didn't want to let your teammates down. So yeah. I think if you try to organise some type of social occasion yeah. that involves an activity the next day, 
as I said, it doesn't have to be booking with your trainer, but that might be the thing. Even a walk where you're going to get some fresh air and clear your head and just try and stave off a little bit of that anxiety and depression before it hits, that's a great idea. But yeah. make that point, make an appointment to do that with a friend so that you're letting them down if you don't go. Yeah. So you've got that in the back of your mind at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so food-wise as well, I think a really good one is <clears throat> we all get, once you've had a few drinks, your body kind of gets tricked into thinking that your blood sugar level is low. So you kind of need, you feel like you need more food even though you don't. And we call that? We call that stopping off at the chipper at 2am on the way home. Uh, we, call, we call that the munchies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. you can kind of stave that off too by maybe having something ready at home that you know is there to eat when you get home. Something that's kind of filling and satisfying like maybe pasta or something like that, but that isn't going to be a one and a half thousand calories worth of a kebab and chips on the way home that you stuff in. Uh, and for me, it's the baked potato. Or a baked potato, yeah. Something <laughs> satisfying and nice that's waiting yep. for you at home that's already cooked, that's ready to go so that, you know, you're kind of helping yourself a little bit there too. So mm -hmm. that's a really good food plan, I think, to have in place. That's just some tips around yeah, eating. Yeah, because it's convenient. Anybody who's starving after a night out, whether they've had a big load of food or drink or whether it's just that it's late and they've been out uh, for a long time. When you come home, you're hungry and you yeah. absolutely do grab the most immediate thing. That's I think also on that note, have something kind of fairly healthy, ready for breakfast the next morning too, so that you're not going out and getting a fry up or something like that and kind of carrying on where you left off. Yeah. If you have something fairly healthy waiting for breakfast that's already made, then you can get some food in the next day that's actually, you know, you can start to get back on track with your nutrition as soon as you can when you wake up and not carry on that kind of um, vicious cycle that you that you might fall into otherwise, and also have something. I don't. I'm reluctant to call it cures, but um, yeah. you know what can we do to kind of reverse some of the damage straight away? In or terms hydration, of hydration, for example. Yeah. So in terms of the alcohol, um, something you often hear people say is have every other drink as a, a soft drink, and it's a bit of a myth that you're going to be able to keep up with your hydration by doing that because alcohol tricks your body into thinking that it's adequately hydrated. So if you carry on drinking water or soft drinks whilst you're drinking alcohol, you're, you're just going to keep peeing. That isn't going to work to hydrate you. What that does do as a strategy is it stops you drinking more alcohol. So it is a good tip to have every other drink, say, or a few drinks through the night that aren't alcoholic drinks, um, if you can possibly plan to do that. It won't keep you adequately hydrated, but it will stop you drinking more alcohol. Some other kind of drinking tips are... Plan what you're going to be drinking. So if you know that you can't really drink Prosecco or bubbly because it goes to your head, just don't have that when it's offered to you. Mm -hmm. Have a plan in place. So I'm going to drink beer tonight or I'm only going to drink wine tonight and then actually stick to that plan and try and keep track of how many glasses or, or pints of it that you're having. And then maybe stop at a certain time. So have it in your head. I'm going to stop drinking at 12 o'clock. And then when it gets to 12 o'clock, you can switch to a soft drink or a soda or something like that. The hair of the dog is the one that you hear as a cure the next day. Yeah. So uh, I've heard many people say that it's 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 not true. So but tell me more about it. Unfortunately, that doesn't work as a strategy because as we've already covered, when you start drinking alcohol, you start producing cortisol and adrenaline and that leads to this kind of vicious circle of anxiety and kind of worse stress and depression. So it will temporarily make you feel a little bit better to have a glass of something, but ultimately it's going to make you sleep worse, your recovery will be slower, and it's going to prolong the anxiety. So the best thing you can do is start to rehydrate as soon as you stop drinking the alcohol. And the best way to do that really is to have some kind of rehydration um, salts 
next to the bed when you go to sleep. So something like Diorolite or Oars or something like that in a glass of water by the bed and just sip that through the night so that you're starting to get back some of those lost salts and things and uh, liquids. And then you're going to wake up a little bit better hydrated the next day and be kind of feeling a little bit better, feeling less uh, like eating the wrong stuff and feeling a little bit less like needing the hair of the dog to kind of carry on. Yeah. I think planning is really the key to this, isn't it? I mean, if we're, if we're, if we're talking about mindless eating, mindless drinking, mindless partying, yeah. negligence as far as how much sleep we all need, all of these things could be sorted or helped an awful lot by just a little bit of planning and just, you know, take yourself in hand. I think we all know each other or ourselves well enough at this stage to know how things generally affect us. So yeah. a little bit of planning is, is really what's needed here. Yeah, and the thing that trips up most people here is that you go into it mindlessly. You don't think it through. You're not thinking about a plan. You're not thinking about the consequences. And it's okay to think about these things. You can still enjoy the event or the the, the time period, but it's okay to start maybe questioning some of these um, ideas. And this leads us into the idea of cognitive dissonance, which is we all have this set of kind of very much ingrained ideas about what food does for us, what alcohol does for us. And I think it's a really good idea kind of in advance of January to start questioning these things and ask yourself, does, does a glass of wine actually relax me? Or is it ultimately going to make me feel more stressed when I wake up in the night feeling terrible? Does a large takeaway on a Friday night, is that really a treat for my kind of being good through the week with my nutrition? Or am I just going to wake up feeling awful and bloated the next morning and like I've let myself down? So cognitive dissonance is the difference between our deeply ingrained ideas about what these things will do for us and the actual reality of it. Mm. And a lot of us never question that, which is really silly because... You know, if you actually think about it, that if you go out and drink loads of alcohol and eat loads of food, you're going to feel rubbish for a good few days afterwards. Yeah, we all know that. So you have to start asking the question, is this worth it? Mm. And maybe start to pick your occasions. If you've got two or three occasions coming up in the next week or two that you know there's going to be a lot of food and alcohol at, do you have to go to all of them? Or if you do, do you have to drink at all or, of them? Or go later or or have a reason to come home early. Yeah. But now that we, we know that the average one of those occasions can take five full days to recover from and uh, physically, mentally. Yeah, you're always in recovery over Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that might make people think twice and just say, look, we might plan this a little bit better. Yeah. So some of the other things you can do just in general over this uh, next few weeks is take a multivitamin just to keep your bases covered. Uh, You might be deficient in something that's kind of interfering with your sleep or your anxiety, and a multivitamin will just cover those bases so that a deficiency isn't causing you to sleep worse or something like that. And plan your exercise. I mean, again, if if the gym isn't the thing you fancy right now, is try and organise a variety of activities, mm. walks, hill walks, cycles, swims, something yeah. that just keeps your, your body moving because... Again, you're going to get used to the idea if you are a regular exerciser, your body's used to burning the calories, getting your heart rate up, mm. the circulation, the just the general well-being and the, the, the feeling, the content feeling of yeah. being on top of your health and your well-being. It'll reverse some of the damage. Yeah, yeah. if you can just do, keep some of it in over yeah. over the, the December period, um, it, it's not such a, a, a fall from grace then, you know. Uh, well, I think this is where a lot of us do tend to kind of fall a little bit. It's that we tend to think we, we're either doing one thing full on or we're not. Mm. And you can't kind of do both. But you can. You can go to the, the can. parties, uh, but you can also build in some exercise too. There's no reason. And your exercise, the quality of that exercise might not be so good, but it's still exercise and it's still better than doing nothing. But you so. know what I'm thinking is, is is exercise at the party. 
Yeah, they're dancing, so come dancing on now, the night I away. We need to be back on that dance floor. That's <laughs> That's gone out of vogue now. If, if we just did that, we'd all be fine. <laughs> well, that will help. It will help. Um, Unless you dance the way I dance. And then <laughs> <laughs> that's clearing the dance floor. So taking a multivitamin might help a little bit. Uh, Omega-3 is uh, an anti-inflammatory and that's going to help to combat some of the inflammatory effects of overindulgence in this period. So definitely take an omega-3 supplement if you can. Magnesium as well. It's alkaline to start with. So it does help with the kind of the acid reflux that comes from. Yeah, so magnesium is a great uh, supplement to take for anybody in any walk of life. It combats the effects of cortisol particularly. So it it does help with anxiety and with sleep. So if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, magnesium is absolutely essential, I think, as far as as we're concerned. It will help you to feel better quicker. And if you're eating acidic foods and your stomach is unsettled, it can help with that. Absolutely. So just to kind of sum up, um, this is a really good time now. If you can't kind of control what's happening now in terms of your partying and your, your, your parties and your overindulgence it's a really good time to at least start questioning it and mm. it's a good time to put in practice some of the things that you might want to start doing in January so have a think about kind of cognitive dissonance and your ideas about alcohol and partying and Christmas parties and food um, and and just tr- start to challenge those a little bit start to think a little bit about willpower uh, self-control what does that mean for you what is willpower to you Most people think that willpower is like a muscle and if you exercise it, it kind of gets stronger. It's actually been proven that willpower is more like a reserve of mental energy. And this is a really challenging time for a lot of people. It's it's uh, emotional. There's lots of family stuff happening. Um, And our willpower is sapped on a lot of levels at this time of year in terms of work stuff, deadlines that need to be met, financial worries, kids putting pressure on us. Uh, you know, traumatic family situations happening. Once that reserve of mental energy that is your willpower gets low, that's it. It's low. It's gone. And once your willpower is down to, you know, nearly zero, you're not going to have any left in order to make kind of good decisions around food and alcohol. So start just noticing these little things now in the run up to January. If you're thinking about making a change in January, now's the time to start thinking about it. That is a good tip in relation to willpower, because I think it's the number one thing for me that people give themselves a hard time about. Yeah. Oh, I've got no willpower. Yeah. Or I should have had more willpower. Shame on me. Yeah. But if you're if you've been challenged all day by financial worries, family worries, kids, you know, driving you crazy. Mm. Nobody has any willpower left after that. So what we're saying, instead of just relying on willpower, rely on being a bit more organised instead. Yeah, planning. You, planning takes away the need for willpower. Yeah, and making making everything habit-based ultimately means that you don't need to use willpower. So just to sum up, this is a great time of year to kind of examine all of these things, start having a think about them, start paying a little bit more attention to your thinking, your behaviour. Um, and then once January hits, we can start to put some of these things in place when we don't have the pressure of all of the mad occasions and parties coming up. My only concern now is anybody listening in, are we going to get invited to any more parties, Meredith? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, we'll leave you to enjoy your parties. If you have any feedback, do let us know. You can contact us at info at intelligentfitness.ie. We're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter um, as Intelligent Fitness. So do get in touch and let us know your feedback. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Talk to you soon. This podcast was brought to you by Primal Productions.